and welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlanc, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our panel. If the guys don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show, we have attorney and former federal prosecutor, Ward Mythaler. We also have retired Chief John Newman, retired Major Ronald McMullen, running for Hillsborough County Sheriff. And let's see, we have uh, retired Corporal David D. Gresta and producer Will Statzer. So thanks, guys. Hey, I also want to give a shout out um, to our sponsors. And guys, uh, we've got quite a few of them here. Uh, we've got Column Case Management, Extra Duty Solutions, Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, and Viridian Weapon Technologies. And uh, we're also, we get a lot of information from Police One, Leo Affairs, Law Enforcement Today, and also the Free Press with Brian Burns. So we appreciate um, all those sources and sponsors. Um, thank you very much, guys. Hey, uh, we've got a great lineup for you. We've got really some fantastic videos um, as well. Uh, so starting off here, guys, let's go ahead and talk about the first one. It's on policeone.com. It's an article written by uh, Chief Joel F. Schultz. We've covered an increasingly number of uh, articles from him. He writes very, very well. And it's titled Kamala Harris from California's Top Cop to Applauding Defunding the LAPD. So it goes on to say that there's a recent poll of likely voters, and it shows a majority believe that Joe Biden, remember he's our presidential nominee here for the Democratic Party, that he would not finish out his first term if he's elected president in November. And it says, although the choice of run, a running mate to become vice president is uh, not relatively, it's usually got a little influence on voters' choices for president, um, and you know, now all of a sudden it's a big deal. And because uh, I guess the Biden-Harris White House um, team involving Kamala Harris, what would that mean for law enforcement? So at the 2016 Democratic National Convention, um, so we're talking, what, four years ago, Harris boasted of her law enforcement credentials, telling a New York delegation breakfast that she now stands before them as the top cop of the biggest state in the country. And before this year's DNC, in an interview on Good Morning America, she told George Sinopoulos, we really do have to get to a point where we agree that the status quo way of thinking about achieving safety is really wrong when it assumes that the best way to achieve more safety is to put more police on the streets. It's just wrong. That's what she says. And while not endorsing wholesale defunding the police, she states, I applaud Eric Garcetti for what he's doing in reference to the Los Angeles mayor cutting $150 million from the LAPD budget. So that said, guys, what do you think about this um, uh, Biden-Harris ticket and what could it possibly mean for law enforcement if they win? And do you think Biden's going to be around for the long term? I mean, for four years. I mean, I've got a 19-year-old dog right now that's kind of losing it with this dementia thing. I'm going to rename him Joe Biden, I think. I think it's going to be a little bit more fitting, you know, than McGuire. But uh, what do you guys think? Uh, Will, I got Will to laugh, and he's a pretty straight, straight-faced straight guy. But Chief God, Newman, go ahead. Please. You know, it's interesting. If you look back, you know, to the um, the Clinton, you know, the Democratic ticket was about putting 100,000 more cops on the street, right? And there was a big push towards community-oriented policing. You know, and just what a, a stark uh, 180, you know, that party has done when it comes to law and order. Um, and I think this comes out of a lot of the, uh, you know, restorative practices that, you know, empirically really don't support it. But she was the attorney general for, um, you know, for, the, you know, California. And obviously, if, you know, if uh, Vice President Biden doesn't make the first term, she's going to be the commander in chief. And I, I don't think you could see more of a, um, a stark difference between the two, uh, you know, 
parties right now about where they stand uh, on law and order and where they stand with uh, supporting their law enforcement and public safety. And this article um, really brings a lot of those uh, differences between the two parties to light. Thank you. Uh, you're, you're wiser than you look, Chief John. Uh, good, good words. Uh, Corporal David. You know, the, the statement that she makes in there is, is, uh, is interesting because I wonder what she thinks is going to take the place of those police officers on the street. And the, the, the answer to that, and I will answer it, is armed citizens. Because if, if there are no police officers to protect the citizens, what do you think the citizens are going to do? They're going to start protecting themselves. Uh, so I'm not sure what she thinks is going to happen when she takes the police off the street. And John and I have had this conversation on previous shows about, you know, the about the organized criminal uh, activity on the uptick uh, and how these gangs and organized crime is starting to have a resurgence. Um, but that's basically what it's going to come down to. And I, and I feel sorry for the people that live in the states that, that have the, the repressive rules about firearms and being able to protect yourself. And I mean, almost literally, you have to be shot first before you can defend yourself. It's just some of it's just absolutely ludicrous. But that I mean, that's what's going to happen. I, I, I can't imagine anything else. And she's one of those politicians that that in the past has shown that um, she basically goes where the where the political wind blows her. So uh, it, none of that stuff really surprises me. Um, she's going to do what she needs to do to, to try to, I guess, get some sort of base support. But I don't think that base is really that big anymore. Thanks, Corporal. Major Ron. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, that, that's just disappointing. And you, you hear it from uh, a um, woman. Now she's of color before she used to be Indian American. But anyway, now she's a woman of color, you know, a, a, a black female. But uh, that being said, it's disappointing you're a prosecutor. You know what's out there. You know, you're not just a layman or just some attorney off the street that believes everything, every client came in, every cop is bad. They put this on me. They made me do that. They beat me up. You're a prosecutor. You've been in the system. You know exactly what's out there. You know what the inner city's going through. And you want this social experiment. You know, we're going to defund the police. And you applaud taking a billion dollars out of someone's budget. And police officers, I bet you they, they needed two billion. And only had a billion taken out. They needed two billion probably to function, you know, optimally. I think it's just disappointing, and and all of politicians. But I've been disappointed in politicians. That's why I'm starting to get into politics because it's just like you can be a Democrat, you can be um, for the people, and you can be uh, for law law and order. And uh, I am. She's not. It makes no sense to me. Thank you, Sheriff. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, uh, according to Brian Burns with the Free Press, I mentioned it before the show to our panelists that um, we're getting a lot more hits when we do these stories that have video. So I know that on the live show, we do not have the opportunity to really do video because we've got an 80-minute show. There's stuff on the table that I actually, topics I have to leave off. We don't have time to cover. So we break this 80-minute show up into five segments. I say we do. Uh, it's really producer Will does. And he uploads them to our YouTube channel Tuesday through Saturday, and he includes all these videos that we talk about. He actually embeds those. So we do the introductions. Boom, you're watching the video. Then 
bam, you're listening to us, critique the videos, and we go on to the next topic. So it makes for a pretty good experience. So if you want to see the videos before we talk about them on Mondays, and our show is Monday evening, 7 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, just go to our Facebook page at Leo Roundtable. I've got links to all the stories, all the videos, so you'll be fully up to speed by the time we talk about them. And I've got them broken down so you actually get to see which ones are videos and which ones are just stories. So so that said, let's go to a, a, a Guess our first video story, police1.com. Police shoot man who threatened cop with a knife. Now, this is in New York. There's new body cam and security video. It was released by NYPD. It shows moments um, surrounding an officer-involved shooting that happened last month. Security footage from inside the shop. It shows the man threatening an employee and a police officer with a long knife. So according to the New York Post, this started... Uh, I guess it started back on June the 4th when a 55-year-old man named Payman uh, Behandaran, he started yelling at Officer Melissa Brown as she walks into a bodega. So the security video has no sound, at least in the beginning. It, it shows um, our bad guy pulling out a knife, and he is um, pacing the length of the store. He has a blade in one hand. He has his dog's leash in the other hand. And yes, there is a dog attached to the other end of the leash, and that's probably what upset most of our panelists. So Brown, who's our officer, our first female officer, um, she is seen pointing a taser um, at the bad guy. And police later said that the officer fired their taser, but it missed. And at one point in the security video, the bodega worker, he actually manages to grab the knife from the uh, bad guy. He's trying to give him like what a piece of, like a, a candy. It's almost like the one when you and I had that uh, that guy that was breaking into the cars, John. It's almost like the same kind of candy bar you took out of the, uh, the, the Walgreens record drugs that you bought before we got in that fight. But he's trying to hand him the candy. The guy goes, sets the knife down, <laughs> goes to grab it. And the, uh, the bodega worker, you know, he grabs the knife and hands it to the cop. I thought it was a pretty cool move. Um, so um, a second cop, Officer Jillian Suarez, she's standing in the doorway of the shop with her gun drawn. And so our bad guy yells at the, uh, at the cops and charges Suarez and pushes her out into the sidewalk. Um, it doesn't really tell you accurately what happened because when, they're, when the, both the cops are coming in and the bad guy's call, coming in behind him, both cops see him. He's got this knife. So the, the second cop that we're talking about, Jillian Suarez, who I think we all agree, she, at least panelists, that she should be fired. She actually runs out, leaves her partner behind, runs out. She gets on the radio, and she leaves a customer, the bodega you know, shop owner, and her female partner in the shop on their own. And it was just horrific. And uh, anyhow, there's all kinds of security cameras going off. Uh, you can hear they've got a body cam finally with audio, and the females tell them the bad guy to move back. And that's when some other male officers show up, and uh, he starts to engage one male officer, who, um, who, you know, he, who pushes them away from it. But it's it just, you know, without talking about it anymore, it was just a wild video to watch. Chief Newman, your thoughts? You know, when he first entered the store, first of all, bringing the dog, that just, you know, adds to a level, you know, a whole other level of, you got to be kidding me. He gets, it looks like he gets in a verbal confrontation with the second officer. First officer walks in, the second officer walks in, he follows behind, and they, you can see they're chirping at each other. Um, he pulls out, then he pulls out his knife and the one officer retreats towards the back of the store and the second officer that came in, she, she draws down, but you think she is, but then she grabs a radio and goes out the door and I, I'm, I'm, I'm dismayed. And, and then really when we're actually watching the robbery now where he's standing on the other side of the counter, he's got the knife. He's obviously, he's yelling and having dialect with 
the merchant and the other police officer that stayed in there. She has her firearm pointed at him. I, I'm just confused as to why it took so long. And like with most things, the longer they go, the worse it can get for your average layperson. It got. It could have been so much worse once they got back outside the store. I, I, I what there is a lot that about this video that I didn't think they handled well. Starting from the time someone hit record, there wasn't anything about this video that I thought the officers did well, especially the first two officers that came into the bodega. Maybe Dave will disagree with me, but I I was <laughs> dumbfounded when I watched it. Well, Corporal. Yes. Yes, I completely disagree with John. There were absolutely no police officers in that bodega. <laughs> That's yeah. where we disagree. There were no police officers in there. The citizens of New York must look at, that pol at their police department with, as John said, dismay. Because there are no cops, at least not in that video. I've never it, the actions and behaviors of the two, of the two uniformed women uh, that walked into that store are absolutely 100 percent um 180 degrees opposite of what a police officer is supposed to do should do has a duty to do the 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 the, the store owner disarmed the bad guy not the police officers it was absolutely disgusting and then the screaming that was going on that the, the one of them was making once the audio kicked in was was equally disgusting. And and then to top it all off, you have an, a person inside a store with a customer, the owner of the store, and two and two alleged police officers, and no shots are fired, no action is taken. The person is then the bad guy is then disarmed, goes back outside the store, is confronted then by four police officers and gets shot. My prediction, the shooting is going to be found to be unjustified and unnecessary. And, and some, some of, one of those cops at least is going to take a burn over this. Um, I've never seen the amount of inaction. And this is a perfect example of other, other things that we're going to talk about tonight on other videos where you have to make a decision to act and you have to act before it goes down the drain, not not afterwards. And that's what they did. They waited way too long to do anything. And then their actions were completely ineffectual. And at that point, I would argue, improper. Now, and David, John's, I, I, John's and, and frozen Ward, on my screen. I don't know if that means anything. <laughs> <laughs> Ward, I, I know you're getting ready to talk, but um, David, did you see the knife fight between the store owner and the, uh, and the bad yeah. guy while the female yeah. cop is behind the counter with a gun drawn? Yeah, right. I mean, like I said, there's so much in the going on in the video that is that is equally disgusting you know the, the the store owner pulls out a knife and goes yeah come on buddy let's go and then they started getting into getting into i guess a a, a a bartering situation well listen if i give you a pack of cigarettes will you just get out and it, it i mean you're i'm kind of interpreting what i'm seeing on the video without any sound but it was it was it was disgusting new york oh my god nypd oh lord now, now david before ward goes did you say you have a, a free a screen frozen on your Nah, John in? was. He's, he's, it's off now. You're on it. Now you're okay, frozen right. on it. Thanks. All right. Uh, well, uh, Attorney Ward Mythaler, love to get your thoughts. It, it appeared to me that he actually gave up the knife. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I missed what from David just said. The store owner had a knife. I missed that. 
Um, I note that the female cop who disappeared came back in as soon as the guy lost his knife. But my real question is at the very end, why did they shoot this guy? There's four cops and he's unarmed. So I think there's going to be some, I think there's going to be some charges brought against the shooter. Well, now it is true. And John, I know your mic's open. Now it is true. If you have your firearm out, nothing says that you have to get in a, in a, in a physical fight over your firearm with a bad guy. So, but, but that said, and I know we didn't, we did have some audio on that body cam video. It just wasn't long enough to tell, to see whether the, female told the responding cops that the guy was disarmed you know that he didn't have the knife out um so that that was one question i had but he should have been shot and killed way like like everybody else. he should have been shot and killed way before that way before in he got into a knife fight with the store owner in, in the store in the store in the store yeah, in the, in the, in the and, store and, yes and you have to you have to watch the video very closely the, the the female police officer that does the shooting she knew he was disarmed she was the one in the store it wasn't right. one of the responding officers that shot him the three other responding officers confronted him in the street. He attacks one of them, and that's when the, the other female finally shoots him, which you kind of go, oh, okay, what? But, yeah, no, I, I don't know about, I'm not sure about charges, firings, whatever, what Ward said, but, yeah, she's, oh, just turn your crap in. That was my question. <laughs> I was like, my question was, was she the one who shot? Because it wasn't clear to me. And I'm thinking the other guys are going to get jammed up because, it wasn't clear to them because when she ran out of the store, it looked like she was screaming on a radio and then she did come back. But I'm like, this poor sap rolled up there thinking this guy has a knife and he's getting ready to slice her up. And so he shoots and then he's going to get jammed up, but she's the one that shot. Okay. You should have shot him. As soon as you walk in the store and he pushed, you said knife, you should have both said knife and got target acquisition and taking care of business. Or when you're standing behind the counter with the civilian or when he starts fighting you over your gun, and then when he's disarmed, now you shoot him. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm 100% with you guys. 100%. Major, I love it no, when you said target acquisition. Hey, hey, Chief John, before you go, I want to talk to you about <laughs> something that's affecting our law enforcement agencies nationwide right now. Our country is crying out for accountability around who we hire to serve and protect them. And I've had a front row seat in not only seeing, but also in experiencing the flaws in vetting and hiring law enforcement officers. So it doesn't have to be this way. And our friends at Guardian Alliance Technologies, they have the solution. Guardian has developed a CGIS compliant background investigative software platform that helps you uncover potentially problematic applicants in record time. And it helps to ensure that you have the best quality officers serving. There's no upfront fees. Training fees, installation costs, long-term contracts, or commitment. So I strongly recommend uh, visiting them today at GuardianAllianceTechnologies.com. And with that said, Chief John, love to get your comments on the uh, video. There, there are going to be some people who said, well, hey, look, she got on the radio and she called for help. And, we, and we've talked about this before on the show, and I, I want to say it was Andrea. The Yes, getting on the radio is important. I think we all talked about it when there was that robbery at a, uh, at a drugstore and the two the two robbery suspects, I mean, the cops are waiting for them to get out. And we could see them from both sides of the video, inside the store and the outside of the store. And we thought the guy was on the radio a lot longer than he should have been. Radio is great, but they're in the moment, right? We are in, we are in the pocket. We don't have time to call an audible. The ball has been snapped. It is game time. I mean, I, I'm never going to discount the fact that she called for help, but not then. That is, not, She retreated and called to the point that she left the store completely and got on the radio. I just, you know, I don't want anyone to think that, oh, you know, not calling for help is a good thing. It is. But everything has a sequence. 
and that was way out of the sequence, just like the shooting was. Now, are you talking about sequence, like what my wife puts on her purse, or what are you talking about? Yeah, on, on her purse. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm just saying. I just said that for. I know Ron was wondering the same thing. I just thought I would. I was the only one to, to verbalize it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Um, excellent content. <laughs> Moving along here, then. Let's see our next one, a main story, policeone.com. The Texas governor is threatening a tax freeze for cities that defund the police. Now, this is an interesting proposal. So this is in Austin. So Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Tuesday proposed punishing cities that cut police funding by freezing property tax revenue, and that's the main funding source for local government services, including schools, roads, and law enforcement. Other top Texas Republicans, they joined Abbott in announcing that they promised that it would be a priority during the 2021 legislative session. The announcement came days after the Austin City Council voted to cut the police budget over the next fiscal year in the U.S., uh, and, and I guess as the U.S. continues to reckon what, what they are considering racial injustice in law enforcement, and just saying that just bothers the crap out of me because there's no systemic problem of racial injustice in law enforcement, even though it's purported by a group of people. Um, so that said, anyone on the bandwagon on this, is it going to have any traction with cutting the, uh, the funding for these uh, groups that go to defund the police from the governor level? Chief John? <coughs> No, but I, I, my comment is, is for the difference in the governors are, are across this country. When you have, you know, the governor of Texas saying he's going to, you know, there's going to be consequences for defunding law enforcement at the local level, but then you have the same governor up in Wisconsin where we have the, uh, the, the officer-involved shooting with the, um, the the guy in the car today that caused riots, I mean, last night that caused riots, and what did that governor say? I'm not sure of the facts, but I know I woke up this morning and another black man died at the hands of law enforcement. These these governors are, you know, they really represent that first article that that author and we talked about, about the two different platforms that are out there. I think the governor of Texas realizes that when you start defunding law enforcement at the local level, the citizenry are going to be negatively impacted. They're going to be more victims of crime, right? And they get it. Whether they believe in the philosophy or not, they know they have to take care of their constituents. Here you have other governors that, you know, before the facts are even in, they want to blame law enforcement for, you know, a bunch of other, you know, issues. And, you know, they're wrong no matter what, no matter what the facts say, jumping to conclusions. And I think these two examples, um, the very first article we talked about and the governor in Texas and the governor in Wisconsin are representative of how uh, separated this country is over really serious things like, you know, law enforcement and law and order. Thanks, Chief. Hey, you know, uh, Attorney Ward, you know, Ward, a, a, a good buddy of mine is an assistant U.S. attorney, and he, he just cringes every time anyone refers to him as an attorney because he's not an attorney. He's a prosecutor. So, Ward, hopefully I don't offend you by calling you attorney because I know you're a former federal prosecutor. I'm not sure, you know, which way you're leaning on that. But anyway, I just want to throw that out there. So uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Ward. To emphasize something you said earlier and to continue my total disrespect for AP. This is an AP article. Uh, the AP asserts, as you've pointed out, the U.S. continues reckoning with racial injustice in law enforcement. Reckoning is, uh, seems to be the new go-to word by AMP. I've seen it in any number of stories. I, rec I reckon that they use that word because they can't come up with any evidence of anything. Now, let me point out to you that the author who asserts that there's racial injustice in law enforcement 
is a 23-year-old child who just got out of who just got out of the University of Texas, where she got a degree in journalism. She worked at the uh, Human Rights uh, Clinic at the University of Texas Law School, and she got her Human Rights and Social Justice Certificate from University of Texas. This is the sort of nonsense that we hear from AP. Wow, David, you better get up and check that chair. I think you just spotted you were laughing so hard. And Ron, when you become sheriff, you need to invite this chick over for a ride along and give her a little education is what I'm thinking. So, yeah, David's kind of confused on that. So I, I don't, think I need I to hire Ward as one of my, no, you, I think man. I need to hire Ward as one of my attorneys. That's very, very uh, well done, sir. Yes. <laughs> Using those using those sexist terms, Chip. A chick? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, oh, that's exactly. what it was. Wow. Wow. Oh. Now, see. Uh, and, and I want to point out, we have no chicks on the panel tonight, too, either. So just just be careful, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> well, well, Cody saw what those female cops did in New York. And he wasn't about to be on the show, I'll tell you. So... You know, we, we should have kept her on because I know she's not feeling good. And my prayers are with her. I would have liked her kept her on for that video because she would have been dropping nickel words all day long. <laughs> know, she would have been beeping her out. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Will's not complaining with all the uh, the editing he does not have to do on that one. So, all right. Well, good. Well, uh, you know, speaking of videos, guys, I think. Oh, we got we got Major Ron. Before we go to our next video, go ahead, go ahead, Major. No, just saying he would. Um, Producer Will would have been editing his rear end off. That was it. All right. Somehow I, I, I don't doubt that. All right. So another video, we are on policeone.com. Florida cops, of course, Florida, where I'm at, shoot fleeing armed man. Now he's fleeing, but remember he's armed. Now this is in Orange County, so over in the Orlando area. Uh, body camera footage of a fatal officer involved shooting earlier this month was released on Tuesday by the Orange County Sheriff's Office. And according to the Orlando Sentinel, uh, this unfolded on August the 7th when deputies converged on a group of four people in a mall parking lot, and one of them had a warrant for felon in possession of a firearm. That says a lot. So the deputy who fired his weapon, his name it was Agent James Montel. I don't know where the agent thing comes in, uh, but he says that he saw a 22-year-old Salathus Melvin who was in this group, and he saw that this guy was carrying a gun. So as the agent approaches, Melvin, our bad guy, and our, I should say our armed bad guy, begins to run away, and Montel, our agent, pursues him. So Montel says that that's when Melvin turned as if he was going to shoot, and he, it prompted the agent to fire his weapon. So in an affidavit from the shooting, the deputies wrote that uh, Melvin, the bad guy, um, had his right hand on a handgun that was in his waistband, and that was according to the Sentinel. So the body camera video shows Melvin uh, from a distance, where he's running across a parking lot. When he suddenly falls mid-stride, a deputy runs up to him a few seconds later, and the deputy, this deputy, is actually wearing a body camera that approaches him, and the guy's on the ground bleeding. So the deputy starts to administer um, CPR while waiting for an ambulance. Melvin dies of his injuries at the hospital, and the other three people were detained and to kind of give you an idea of, of what they're about, two were later arrested, one on a warrant and the other on a probation violation, according to the Sentinel. So these aren't good guys either. Deputies said they found a stolen loaded handgun on our bad guy. The sheriff's office later learned that Melvin's a convicted felon and legally, of course, prohibited from having a gun. He's a prohibited person. And attorneys who represent the deceased argue that he posed no threat to the deputy. So I just 
that just is amazing, is amazing. Now, uh, David, I know you've got your mic open. So before you go, and since we're talking about this gun stuff, I want to go and talk about gun learn real quick. No matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap, which leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. Gunlearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning. They've made it easy. Gunlearn.com is the first and it's the only company to offer a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. And actually, panelist Brett Bartlett, who's not on the night, he took the course and he's certified. They provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy. And their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and also firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos need to know about firearms and also ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency if you host a seminar. And again, there's no cost to your agency. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. So that said, Chief Newman and David DeGresta, the floor is yours. Uh, you know, and, and I, I wanted to go for David. I'm not sure what he's gonna say. And sometimes, you know, we're just grateful that Dave's able to string sentences together and make sense. No, look at, I gotta be fair. I Looking at that one officer who gets there, his desk, Camera is too fast for me. I can't, I've watched it over and over and I can't tell what the, the shooter saw. So you have to take the shooter, you know, his statement because he doesn't have a body cam on, but the video really does, you, the guy, by the time you look up and you realize he's running, you have no idea when the guy got target acquisition, what happened before that. So the, the video isn't really very productive for me in terms of, yes, it was good. Yes, it wasn't good. So then you have to look at all the other things. He knew the guy had a gun. I, I got to think here, flight is a determining factor. The guy knew he shouldn't have been there. So that's a, a police officer that knows there's some bad dudes right there and one of them's armed. And by the way, we're in a shopping plaza. All those things have to be taken in consideration. We don't see the actual shooter's body cam because he doesn't have one. And I think the video that we do see doesn't really help me out that much, except to know that that was the guy he was aiming at got shot. But, you know, when you look at all the things that you just discussed, Chip, those things matter. Thanks, Chief. And, 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 you know, David, when you talk about this, our listeners aren't necessarily law enforcement. In fact, about half of them, by my estimation, are not. So if you could educate them why the conditions that John just mentioned, you know, being in the shopping district, a parking lot, you know, why the use of force or deadly force would be justified or could be justified in this situation. Well, I mean, that, that's that's the easy part. I mean, you're, you're having to take into consideration the other people that this guy is going to encounter as he, as he runs through a mall parking lot with a firearm. It's the same thing as the, oh, wait, this wasn't New York. That's why he got his ass shot. Okay, I'm with you now. I missed it for a second. It's the same thing we just saw in the other video where there is a, sub, a subject with a deadly weapon in a small space with other people. You've got to do something before that goes bad, and they did not. They were simply lucky that it didn't. In this case, you had a very competent officer who saw, according to the, the, the story and his testimony, who saw that this bad person was armed. Uh, said bad person put his hand on the gun and made an overt action that made our competent officer believe that he was going to pull that firearm and, and, and use it for, its, for, for an, an illicit purpose and took careful aim and dropped his ass in the parking lot of the mall before he could harm any other officer, the, the shooting officer, or any other 
innocent civilian that happened to be in that parking lot that he may come across, try to carjack to get away, uh, uh, cause to be into a, come into a crossfire situation, all that sort of thing. So these are the absolute opposites from what we saw in New York to what we saw here of, of how police officers should react when faced with a deadly force situation, with a, with a subject with a deadly weapon, be it a knife or a gun, for that matter. Thanks, Corporal. Hey, I just, uh, Northwest or NW Justice Project, he just made a little donation to support the cause. So uh, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. So uh, he thinks that, uh, oh, thinks hey, that he, I can go into politics. I think that Ron McMullen has got that covered for me. <laughs> yeah, tell him to make a donation, ronmcmullen.com. Oh, you are just, <laughs> you know, you're just, uh, it's just beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you, buddy. Hey, hey uh, Chip. Newman. You know, I want to, you know, because this this kind of thing bothers me because they they made you know a really good point. You don't know what this guy's going to do with the gun, and he, it's only a year and a half ago that he killed Lieutenant Clayton from Orlando PD in a shopping center. She's in her car. She's going to confront him, and he kills her. They make her a lieutenant posthumously. But those things happen. There was a bad guy in a parking lot a year and a half ago in the exact same county that took the life of a law enforcement officer in the middle of daylight. These things can happen to that governor's point in Texas. And then regular, regular everyday folk become the victim because we allow these things not to go unchecked. They, you know, it, it's tragic that the guy died, but there are bad guys out there and police officers deal with those bad guys because a year or a year and a half earlier in the exact same city, they lost a police officer in the same similar circumstances as this shooting. Hey, John. Chief, John, and uh, Dave, could you guys, like, explain to our viewers, you know, a, a lot of my friends are like, yeah, but they shot him in the back. Like, they think, like, this is a Wild West where the guy has to be point facing you, and you can't shoot him unless he has his, his cowboy boots on and stuff. You know, get that a lot, you know. I know the, the, the shooting today in Wisconsin was someone shot in the back. I don't know any of the facts about that other than he was in the car and, you know, you can't do the rest of the video. I haven't seen the rest of the video yet. But a lot of the public thinks that if you shoot him in the back, you're absolutely wrong. Excellent point. Yeah, uh, well, because they, they, they watch too much TV, Ron. I mean, Dave could probably explain it better than I can. But the bottom line is you're dealing with the threat. It's sensational. It's salacious to say we shot somebody in the back. I remember when, you know, people always would complain, oh, there's four police officers like we had Chip with that guy at Eckerd's when he stole my candy bar. Four police officers on one guy. Well, that's a fair fight. Ground fighting's fair. We don't want to go one-on-one. -on -one. This isn't boxing. It's not MMA. This is real-life stuff, and we want to go home at night. You look what happened in Atlanta. The officer wound up shooting that guy in the back, even though the guy discharged a taser, who the state attorney two weeks earlier said that was a deadly weapon. And all you heard was he got shot in the back. It helps a narrative. It makes it seem like that person is less of a threat. But those where they shoot him is not nearly as important as why they shot him. And maybe Dave can explain better than I can. Well, Dave, do you mind no, if I you, take that real quick? All right, the, if you uh, think you can handle it. Yeah, for Science Institute, they've come out with some factual studies. And basically, the short version is it takes about a second and a half for your brain to tell your trigger finger to stop pulling. So that's why, look... You can shoot guys in the back all day long and have it be a good shoot. But when you have a guy that poses a threat and you go to the engage in gunfire, the guy turns around to run away from you, it takes about a second and a half. I think it's 1.4 seconds before you can 
see it through your eyes, process it in your brain and tell your trigger finger to stop pulling the trigger. So that's why you start spraying a guy, shooting him in the torso, and then you get him in the side and in the back before your brain's able to communicate that. It's perfectly legit. It's physics. It's a fact of life, and there's nothing wrong with it. So hopefully I nailed that for you, David, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, it was kind of whatever. Um, you know, the, 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 the street, it, he, you talk about science, and the, the reality is, and what people don't understand, and John touched on it, is there is no such thing as a fair fight. There is no such thing as a fair fight. And anybody that thinks that a police officer out on the street is, or a bad guy out on the street, is bound by some rules that they see in an MMA ring or a boxing ring or a wrestling match or something like that. There's no such thing as a fair fight. There's no referees. There's no tapping out. There's none of that sort of stuff. And now you're talking about a, a circumstance where every single fight that a police officer gets into is an armed confrontation because the police officer brings a gun to that confrontation. So if you get into a physical struggle with an individual on the street, it's not a fair fight. It's never going to be a fair fight. I'm going to hurt you, and I'm going to hurt you so bad that you stop right now, and that's the end of the fight. So if you think the police officer is supposed to square up and go, okay, sir, if you better stop, I'm going to give you a last No. There's no such thing as a fair fight. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it, and you're going to stop, and the threat's going to be over with. And if you involve a weapon in that, now you layer into that into that confrontation a weapon. Now there now there is the the possibility of 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 a deadly confrontation, even more so. So you cannot allow that confrontation to go on to say, okay, well I got to let him draw. You're like standing on in the street of the old West movies doing a, the OK Corral gig or whatever you want to call it, that's not, that's not reality. There is no such thing as a fair fight on the street. And to shoot someone in the back has nothing to do with fair or unfair. It has to do with stopping the threat before, it, it, before someone else, other than the person who deserves to be, and I hate to use the word deserve, but that's that person being stopped, that threat being stopped by any means necessary. Thanks, thanks, David. And, you know, and, uh, I know producer Jim, Will, Jim, I know producer Will had, his, had his mic open, but just give me one second. I know that um, I've got uh, the Justice Project. He made a good post, post that that's why this agency needed the fact duty, and that's one of our sponsors. We'll be getting to them in a minute, but that's with the camera that activates when you pull the the weapon, the you know, out of the holster, and there's there's. There was a unobstructed view of you and the bad guy. So even though this guy did him a body cam, it would have worked out like per would have worked out perfectly. And and now of course Eddie Leal, Justice Project started something because Eddie Leal's uh, made a donation. And uh, I just see another one, Michael Van Schlock or Shock, uh, just made a huge one too. So thanks guys. I'm sorry, Chief. Go ahead. No, you know, we we the first video that we talked about tonight and a lot of the videos. That's why we're so so frustrated that we are not assertive and take control sometimes and we dilly-dally as police officers, and then things go south. Because the quicker you take control, the quicker suddenly you're in that position of you know you're he's going to react, she's going to react to what you're doing. The quicker you take control, the less likely it's going to get out of hand. The first you know video with the guy with the knife, we need to take control of that. That could have went really, really bad. I, it's too early to see the video in Wisconsin. really doesn't show me much, except from what I understand the guy's wanted, I have no idea why you have three officers that haven't put their hands on a guy who's wanted for sexual battery. But not going hands-on and taking control of the situation leads to how that thing can get out of control. When that happens, 
suddenly, you know, you don't know what they're going to do. The threat assessment is completely different. The dynamics are different. So when we watch these videos, whether it's a shooting or even before a shooting, it's always about getting in there, taking care of business as quickly as you can, and then making sure everyone's safe. Thanks, Chief. Excellent contact. Uh, Ward, did you have something you want to add? Well, ironically, one of the questions on my civilian uh, gun course was, what do you do if you're awoken in the middle of the night by a noise? There's an intruder, armed intruder. You come up behind him with your own gun. What do you do? Do you give him a command or do you shoot him? And um, the instructor never told us what he considered to be the right answer, but he did tell us that if you don't shoot him, he can certainly shoot you as soon as your command is given before you even had a chance to think about it. That's true. Good point. Thanks, Ward. All right, guys, excellent content, excellent content. So um, moving along here then, let's go to our next one then. And we are on police1.com again. New Jersey Supreme Court rules the city civilian oversight of police went too far. Now, we're, look, we're seeing a lot of um, civilian oversight committees. And remember in Oakland, that's where they hired the convicted felons and they ousted the chief and just all kinds of crazy stuff. So this is in Newark, and it says New Jersey's top court on Wednesday limited civilians' ability to investigate local cops in a ruling that sets up a broader fight in the legislature over how much power non-officers should have to look into alleged police misconduct. So it was actually a 6-1 decision. The New Jersey Supreme Court said that Newark Civilian Complaint Review Board uh, does not have subpoena power, and it cannot launch investigations at the same time the department is investigating its own officers. It says the justices will allow the board to retain some other uh, review powers. However, um, I thought that was a uh, you know a wild ruling, uh, Major Ron. Yes, yeah, so, you know as you know I'm running for sheriff of Hillsborough County, RonMcMullen.com. Um, I, I get this question at every forum that I go to, everyone wants to know, you know, with police reform, um, we want we want a uh, civilian, review, re, civilian review board that has teeth, you know, and uh, they, they'll say this, they want subpoena power uh, and or they wanna be in the room when they're being interviewed by internal affairs. And, uh, you know, and I, at the time I didn't realize that there's actually a law that prevents that in Florida, I guess, but you know, so, but I was just saying, like, uh, how many times do we have to investigate something until it comes up the answer you want to hear? I mean, I know there's some badass people. Some people belong in jail, folks, and some people belong dead. I know that's hurt, hurtful to say and it's ugly to say, but police work's not always pretty, you know? You try to explain to people, just because someone tells you no, that doesn't mean the police officer was wrong because he told you no, you know? So, but, you know, I said, I don't mind. I'm transparent. You know, if we do everything right, look, here you go. Um, but I get that question all the time. Do you support having a civilian review board with teeth? I go, I don't mind having a civilian review board, but what do you mean teeth? Uh, subpoena power. So we can look over, over, you can be, so you can be my overseer. Uh, how about we have a civilian review board for these, uh, slack jawed politicians who do nothing, absolutely nothing. They're supposed to be the lawmakers and, uh, holders at the gate. They do nothing. So when you do that with them, then come talk to me. Good point. Chief John? You know, the last administration just totally, in my opinion, put the foot to the gas on these pattern and practice uh, consent decrees. Nork is one of them that got caught up in it. Oversight committee. There are, there are employee, you know, 
Loudermill hearings, Weingarten, Garrity. There are legal precedents that prohibits them from doing some of the things that they want. These aren't things that we're just picking out of the air. You know, on Weingarten, you have the right to union representation. Loudermill says you have the right to due process. There is state statute in this statute, uh, state, 112, that allows you to have officer bill of rights. You're allowed to read and see and do things like almost like a discovery in criminal proceedings. But these civilian oversight want to come in and suddenly they want to be the standard. They want to be the judge and jury over law enforcement. And I think it's a bad idea. I don't think we should completely admit them. I, I think they, they probably serve a purpose. If anything, when a case is over, show them how the case went. But Ron is right. When they want to just go over there and they want to jam their agenda in spite of the facts, then that's wrong. This is not a surprise. I don't even think that in North, this uh, oversight committee had even listened to one case yet. As soon as they, it came out of a uh, pattern and practice consent decree, it was immediately challenged uh, by the union up there, which I think they made the right decision. Um, you just can't bring me. That's like saying, you know, all of us right now, we're going to be over an oversight committee for doctors and we don't have one MD hanging off our name, but we're going to have we're going to be able to give sanctions and consequences. It really doesn't work that way in case law and labor law tells you that. So whatever labor law you might have for any other government official, what well, applies to us, too? Like I always say, facts matter. And so does case law. Thanks, Chief. You know, you got a little silent applause there from Corporal David. I don't know if you picked up on that or not. No, so, yeah. Uh, listen, listen, he brought up what I belabored. I don't know how many shows ago when we talked about this same thing, these these oversight committees. I'm absolutely 100 percent against them in any way, shape or form. Um, and uh, and the reason being is, is what John said. You look at all these other professions, or a number of other professions. He, he hit the one doctors, attorneys or another one that are overseen by who their own peers why because their own peers have the expertise to look at what they did and say okay yeah he did the surgery right there was there was really no way of seeing that that was going to happen and the person died on the operating table yeah there's yeah that's it or an attorney yes he fought so another attorney other attorneys and judges can look at that attorney's behavior in the courtroom and say well, no, he did everything right, or no, he screwed up, or whatever. That's what happens with these these oversight committees. Unless you have unless you have a, a, an oversight committee that's made up entirely of retired cops and attorneys, then no, I'm completely against it. Now, the thing in New York, they said that I think one person, the person that led it, could be a retired Newark cop, but that was it. And beyond that, no, I'm I'm so I'm 100% against all of those types of oversight committees just for those reasons, because you have a bunch of civilians that have absolutely no idea what police work is, what it entails, what the daily stresses, strains, uh, minutia, uh, instantaneous decisions, second-guessing crap that goes on in, in, in there over, over a job like that? No, no, never. Thanks, Corporal. Appreciate it. Thank you to our panel for being here. Thank you to our sponsors, Calm Case Management, Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com. We've got Guardian Alliance Technologies, Ferdinand Weapon Technologies. Also, we have the Free Press with Brian Burns. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week, guys. Good night.